everybody out there. How's it going? Welcome to Screen Speak, the podcast that's all about movies, life, and so much more. I'm Jordan Anderson, and this is my podcast, and I really appreciate you for coming by and giving it a listen. So, first, before I get into everything, how's everybody doing out there? You doing okay? Has anybody asked you that for a while? I, I don't know. It's, it's my experience. People were always so busy. We got a lot going on. We, we need to sometimes take that extra second to ask people how they're doing, uh, because mental health is very important. But anywho, you're not here to listen to me talk about mental health. You're here to listen to me talk about movies and <laughs> uh, and, and what I think about them and their tie-ins to life and, and all that other good stuff. So, <clears throat> the movie I want to talk about today is actually one that I actually picked up just yesterday at Half Price Books and Records, which if you ever get a chance to stop by at one of those... Um, I'm not sure if they're located everywhere uh, or where all their locations are at, but I sometimes go there, frequent them for uh, taking a look at their physical media. I'm still a believer of buying physical media, uh, especially Blu-rays, 4K if it's an option, and DVD if there's nothing else that is of a higher resolution. So, but anywho... Uh, yeah, yesterday towards the end of my day, I was like, ah, you know, it's been a long day, kind of a long week. I want to go and treat myself and get a movie. So I went to Half Price Books, started browsing around, and I came across the movie Mystery Men. And I was like, gosh, that is a movie that I have not seen for some time. And it's an interesting one to me where I was like, would it hold up? Because I had a lot of nostalgic memories for, for liking it when I was younger, Um, but it, I don't know, a movie like Mystery Men, and it's one of the first things I thought of is just, is it going to be one that stands the test of time or is there anything that's a little dated on it? And so I was like, well, you know, uh, I am in the mood for something a little light to watch and it'd be a great one to own for the collection. So why don't we go ahead and give it a whirl? So anyways, I picked it up. I'm holding it right now, actually, as I'm talking about it with you all. So, uh, let's go ahead and just jump right in. So... So Mystery Men, it actually came out in July of 1999, and it has like a seriously incredible cast, which many of them are still working today and working on great things. Uh, the cast has Bill, uh, sorry, Ben Stiller, William H. Macy, Hank Azaria, Janine Garofalo, Paul Rubens, uh, let's see, Wes Studi, Greg Kinnear, Jeffrey Rush, Eddie Izzard, uh, Tom, Tom Waits is in it. There's there's a handful of others that I could talk about in that, uh, but it's it's a tremendous cast, and I'm I'm going to touch on uh, each of the characters, uh, the the ones I care enough anyway to talk about uh, later on in this episode. But it's an incredible cast for a movie like this, and and I, I definitely think without having an eclectic ensemble cast in the movie like this, it just it. I don't know. I don't think the movie would work. So, <clears throat> so anyways, it was released in July of 1999. Uh, I told you about the cast. Let me tell you about the story. I'm actually just going to read. <laughs> I'm just going to read the back of the Blu-ray because that's easy. So, it says, The strongest comedic cast in history has united to become the strangest superhero team ever in Mystery Men. They're a ragtag team of hero wannabes that includes Mr. Furious, uh, ben Stiller, The Shoveler, William H. Macy, The Blue Raja, Hank Azaria, The Bowler, Janine Garofalo, The Spleen, uh, Paul Rubens, uh, Invisible Boy, Kel Michelle, I I know he was in like a burger thing I think at one time, but I, I don't know, and The Sphinx, Wes Studi. 
And then, okay, now it's actually getting into the synopsis. So when Captain Amazing, played by Greg Kinnear, falls into the hands of evil madman Casanova Frankenstein, played by the Academy Award winner Jeffrey Rush, and his disco-dancing henchmen, that's something I gotta talk about, there's a there's suddenly a chance for these aspiring superheroes to show what they can do in this hilariously funny and thoroughly original misadventure. That's a, that's interesting misadventure. I don't hear don't hear that used in a lot of uh, a lot of conversation. But anywho, yeah, that's the story. <clears throat> but I wanna I wanna elaborate on it a little bit more. Um, so the movie opens and you can very much tell right from the get-go that the tone of the movie is setting out to be in the vein of of 90s 90s Batman like kind of Tim Burton style very colorful eclectic and flashy uh, almost cartoony and, and kind of over the top in its tone and, and the world that it has everything is just very uh, <clears throat> everything is, is is very much like a comic book which which is great because it's a movie about superheroes but everything just feels really big and and larger than life and, and even the personalities and the characters in movies everybody just feels uh, like they are in a comic book and and very intentionally so. The movie is not trying to be a grounded, deep, and serious take on superheroes like uh, Chris Nolan was eventually able to establish in his Dark Knight trilogy that you know so many other films have since tried to uh, um, emulate that tone. But no, this movie is purposely light on purpose, and in a way, <clears throat> you know, in a way, I'm thinking about this out loud. This kind of movie is actually very similar to a movie like Galaxy Quest where it's taking a particular genre of film, um, of writing, and it's giving it a, a modern twist while making fun of some of the, the tropes and cliches that you're so familiar with and used to seeing in, in movies of its time beforehand. So I think Mystery Men, in terms of superhero spoofs, if you want to call it that, uh, it excels very well at, at being very clever um, while actually having an interesting story. And that's that's one of the keys, I think, when you're thinking of like spoof comedies or anything like that, is the best ones to me, They, while they're making fun of things that you're no doubt familiar with or tropes, there is still a story that's running through the underline of the movie, and it's a story that is actually interesting in and of itself. Like if you took away all the the jokes and, and everything else, the story itself would be compelling enough that you may actually just be interested in it, you know, jokes aside. But that's what I like about the movie is that even though it's a spoof, it's a clever spoof, and it still has an interesting story. And I believe, I'm going to Google this actually, because I, I tried to do a little bit of research before I just hit record on this, but I'm almost certain that Mystery Men is actually based off of a comic and I think it's a Dark Horse comic. Let me let me take a look here. So, uh, yeah, Dark Horse Comics Mystery Men. Let's let's see what this says. <clears throat> yeah. So okay. Yeah, it's talking about the synopsis, how it's a film. Well, I don't. Well, you know what? I'll have to do some research, or somebody can can comment and tell me about it later. It's based off a comic book. Um, It'd be interesting to find that comic book and actually read it. I may have to. I may have to come up with that. Anyway, <clears throat> so it has, it's a spoof with the story, and I love the story um, because of the the, cl the clever writing and everything like that. But I I don't want to get too ahead of myself. So 
apart from the the clever take on the superhero world, the stellar cast, uh, you know, the time period it was released in right before 2000, um, I have to talk about, I think, my favorite aspect of this movie as a whole, especially after revisiting it because I just watched it last night, so it's fresh in my head, is all throughout the movie... And, and some may argue that, you know, this is one of the reasons why it doesn't hold up or, or something like that. But there is just a wonderful sense of charm and innocence to this movie. Uh, the characters are very playful in their banter and it is very light and fluffy at times. But I don't know. I just like there were scenes that I was smiling because I, you know, likely for nostalgic reasons, I was remembering uh, seeing them for the first time for a couple of them in particular. But but mostly, I just like seeing a, a lighter superhero movie kind of for a change. I feel like so many of the ones that, that I've come across recently, uh, maybe with the exception of like a Thor Ragnarok or, or one of those ones where they're, you know, they are being... Uh, quite witty and, and, and whatnot. A lot of them do have like pretty serious stories or there's like world ending stakes and things like that. And I don't know this one. It's like, I don't know. You, you understand that the, the tone of the movie, um, right from the get going. And I think you're just, either, you either love it or you hate it. I, I don't really know if there's a middle ground for this kind of movie, but I just can't help but find the, the cast tremendously charming in the roles <clears throat> and, there is a, a wonderful sense of innocence throughout the movie and, and how it uh, portrays superheroes. And um, even kind of, if you look at it, it, it it's almost like a, almost like the director of this movie was like a, a kid trying to uh, put out a movie to be like, you know, like, what are... I don't even know if this is making sense. It's like, how do I say this? It's like thinking about <clears throat> how you saw superheroes when you were a kid and then trying to instill that childlike wonder in a movie about superheroes while still being modern and relevant and having uh, smart commentary on those tropes that I mentioned in the spoof aspects of the movie. It's it's really interesting. But, <clears throat> yeah, it's just a wonderfully charming and innocent film um, for a lot of aspects of it. So, I, I, I don't know. Let me know if you think that, if you ever do get around to watching it, but I think so. Um, now I have to really dive into the characters because this is a, an ensemble movie and there's a wonderful cast of eclectic characters with funny names and backstories, uh, because of course everybody in this is, uh, as a wannabe superhero. So everybody has like their, you know, their, their secret identity and they have like their, their main name and their, and their specialty. So I'm just gonna, I made a list of the ones that I wanted to talk about and I'm just going to run down them real quick. Uh, and, and see and see what I end up saying. So <clears throat> so first there's Hank Azaria, which Hank Azaria, he is, a, do you want to call him a national treasure? Is that what we want to call him? Because I think he is. The man is so immensely talented, uh, not only as an actor, but as a voice actor as well. Um, most people will recognize many of his voices that he's famous for on The Simpsons. Uh, I think he's the bartender Mo, and he's the the one nerd guy, the guy that likes the comics. This is the best impression that I can do of him. Uh, <laughs> and uh, who else does God? He vo he voices a lot of people on the on the Simpsons, but but anywho, he plays the Blue Raja, master of silverware. I I, I can't I can't do a great impression of it, but I 
I kept saying it over and over after I watched the movie is when they when they have him in his first scene at home where like he's like preparing his character in front of a mirror and he's rehearsing his lines, he's like Red eyes, red eyes, red eyes. <laughs> it's it's just the way he says it and he has like this whole a it's like an overcomplicated backstory where he's saying that he's like from like the his character originates from like the British dynasty and their takeover of like the Indian nation and I I don't even know what it all is but anywho he's absolutely wonderful and his specialty is he he throws silverware at people and not knives because they openly comment they're like well how come you don't ever throw a knife it's like you're always throwing forks and spoons it's like a knife is going to actually do something going to be effective and he's like repulsed at the idea he's just like what well, he's like i'm not i'm not knife man or stabby boy he's like i'm the blue raja <laughs> And I don't know, he's, yeah, he's, he's definitely a standout in the movie, and I can't help but have a silly, dumb grin on my face anytime he opens his mouth. Um, <clears throat> and then there's William H. Macy, the shoveler. Uh, I, I commented on this that, like, to me, he's like the blue-collar Captain America. Uh, you know, his whole get-up and, and look is that he's, like, basically a construction worker that just decided to be a superhero one day. Uh, and he's like the, he's a man's man, but he, you know, he's got a wife and kids at home. He believes in putting the, you know, food on the table and being a good father and supporter, you know, that just real go-getter American, uh, attitude. But, uh, William H. Macy, he's, he's just a tremendous actor and talk about, talk about having range. I mean, the guy has done so many wonderful movies, um, <clears throat> and real quick, I'll, I'll plug one of his movies here actually in a second, um. That never gets talked about. I'm going to take a sip of water here. So hang on. <clears throat> Anytime I bring up William H. Macy or get a chance to talk about him, I have to mention uh, his movie Rudderless that he actually, he directed it. I don't know if he wrote it, but it's a very small independent film. But if you ever get a chance to check that out, just give, give it a check. I mean, check it out. It's a great movie. <clears throat> Anywho. Then uh, Ben Stiller as Mister Furious. <laughs> I I think of all the actors that I mean because these characters are so over the top and zany and, and they have you know they're just very colorful and outlandish. I have to imagine that he would have so much fun filming that character because out of all the people, I mean everybody has like their thing. Blue Raja has forks and and uh, forks and spoons. The shoveler has a shoveler. Uh, the bowler has a bowling ball, etc. But Mr. Mr. Furious has nothing. He he has rage. It's like he he wants to be the Hulk but he can't turn green. And so like he just gets angry at things, but he's he's a kind of a dork and he and he's clumsy. He doesn't have like a black belt or anything like that. He just yells at people and it's just like <laughs> Oh my gosh, I, I'm I'm laughing so much just thinking about it. But uh I, I will get to one of my favorite scenes with him uh a little bit later on in this episode. But yeah, he he is hilarious as as Mr. Furious and just great casting choice for that. Uh, and then one of one of the more very eclectic characters in this is Paul Rubens as the Spleen, and I don't know what his character decision was for for talking like this. <laughs> I, I I I don't know, uh, but it's very funny. And um, Paul Rubens, I he's somebody that's faded from uh, from the spotlight for I 
I think there was some controversy with him in real life, but I, I don't want to get into all that stuff here. But he most people know him as, as Pee Wee Herman from like Pee Wee's Big Adventure. And <clears throat> as the spleen, uh, if you're looking for the least mature character in this movie, just someone purely there for quite literally fart jokes, uh, that's where Paul Rubens comes in because his power is, is that he has deadly gas and if you pull his fingers, you find out what that power does to people. <laughs> and uh, it's I'm not going to pretend that I love his character, but it is funny uh, from a very juvenile level. And, and yeah, it, it's funny. But I, I have a feeling that he's probably the character for a lot of people that would make or break them liking the movie. Just simply because it's such low level humor in some people's eyes. Uh, but whatever, you know, in a movie like this, I think you have to understand what you're getting into. It's light. It's not meant to be taken seriously. Just, you know, relax and have a good time with it. Uh, then there's Janine Garofalo who plays the bowler. Um, she's cool. Uh, I, have seen her in a, in a handful of things. I, I know that she's actually been, uh, she's worked with Ben Stiller and other movies in the past. Uh, but she's the bowler and she has a magical bowling ball that has her dad's skull in it. And she's able to have it like levitate and attack people. Oh, and she also talks to it too, because, uh, and, and no one else can hear it, of course. So she'll, she'll just be randomly, or she'll just be talking and then randomly she'll just, interject and talk to her dad as if he's right there in the room uh and then everybody gives her a weird look but but anywho uh she's good she she has a, a good fun wit to her um very uh, uh i guess her character is a pretty sassy person and i don't know she she's pretty fun i don't really have a lot to say about her <clears throat> uh and then a uh, very interesting character and he's he's, he's terribly ter- uh, terribly mysterious is Wes Studi as the the Sphinx, uh, and his power? Uh, one of the main ones they show is that he can he can cut a gun in half with his mind, and he's some big crime slinger from the South, as as the as the shoveler says. And uh, Wes Studi, it's it's I think it's so cool that he played the role and was game for it because he's a he's a Native American and he's uh, he's. I mean, I think of him as a pretty accomplished character actor, though I doubt he hardly gets a lot of the credit that he deserves. Uh, two movies I know that he was in uh, that got really big, wide acclaim is uh, Dances with Wolves. Uh, I think he he's he's one of the main Indians in that, and he may have been in The Last of the Mohicans. I, I may have to double-check that one. Uh, but then he's also uh, in Avatar. He's... Uh, uh, Zo, Zo Saldana's uh, father, the the chief of the of the main. Um, oh my gosh, why can't I think of the alien race? I mean, they're blue. How hard how hard can that be to remember? Uh, oh my gosh, I'm not gonna move on from this until I remember what the heck is the race in the Avatar movies? They're blue, and oh my. Okay, so they hang on. So they. <laughs> oh my gosh, why am I why am I stuck on this? Uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm sitting in front of a computer. Why don't I just figure this out? Let's see. <clears throat> Avatar aliens, alien race. Cause I don't know who are they? Ah, my God. The Navi. Jeez. Well, you can probably skip past that last minute in the podcast that went nowhere. <laughs> uh, okay. So move uh, No, actually I want to talk about West duty here for a second because he, they they make fun of some of like the the stereotypes with a native american chief and that like he 
he's supposed to be really knowledgeable and have like wise words of wisdom and, and take a simple thing and turn it on its head. Uh, but he eventually, like you kind of realize he eventually doesn't really know what he's talking about. <laughs> and I'll, I'll, I'll get to that a little bit later, but yeah, he, he's, he's fantastic in the movie. Um, <clears throat> Another uh, supporting character, not a big one, but one I wanted to comment on is Eddie Izzard as Tony P, the head of the disco gang. And I keep I keep doing the Blue Raja voice for for those because he's it's just so contagious once you hear it. <laughs> uh, but Eddie Izzard is Tony P, and he is the head of the disco gang, and he has quite the getup, um, amazing amazing hair in the movie, and and quite uh, fashionable '60s attire, and he's obsessed with disco and crime. And that's a very interesting combination for a gangster. Um, and I think that's, it's a, it's an interesting is, is juxtaposition. I got, I, I, I'm probably going to build up my vocabulary as I record this podcast. All right. What does juxtaposition mean? This means the fact of two things being seen or placed closely together with contrasting effect. Okay. Then yeah, I'm correct. Hey, I know some words outside of, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm saying I have a decent vocabulary. Uh, <clears throat> so yes, his character has an inst- an interesting juxta- juxtaposition. Am I saying that right? Juxtaposition? He has an... In- <laughs> that is such a tongue twister. He has an interesting juxtaposition as, as Tony P because he's supposed to be this ruthless, you know, very scary gangster. And yet he busts a move to to Bee Gees like Saturday Night Fever, and, and so it's it's funny because like you, you take one thing as light and then another thing is serious and you put them together. And anyways, I'm just a big fan of Eddie Izzard. Uh, my my older brother really likes him actually a lot. Um, we used to watch him a lot when we were uh, when we were growing up. Uh, particularly, I think at our dad's, and we, we listened to audio uh, some of his comedy albums that he recorded. And I, I still think he performs now, but he's a he's a really, really interesting guy. And uh, I think if you ever wanna if you ever wanna look him up sometime and, and listen to him, he may have popped on Joe Rogan or or maybe Mark Maron's podcast at one point. Uh, I don't know. Look it up. He's he's a really really uh, interesting comedian and, and personality. So, anyways, he's very fun as Tony P. <clears throat> Uh, and then there, of course, there is Greg Kinnear uh, as Captain Amazing, and it's it's so great what they do with him because they're quite literally, I think, trying to do a ripoff of Captain America with maybe a hint of Superman in there. Uh, and I say Superman because one of the things they directly make fun of, which I will comment on now, is how his alter ego, just like Clark Kent Superman, uh, is indistinguishable from his character because he wears glasses and that's something I've always thought is so dumb with with Superman I mean there's a lot of of belief I can suspend when I'm watching a a comic book movie and something that's not based in reality but how am I really supposed to get behind you know oh Clark Kent he wears glasses and and Superman doesn't oh they're they're totally different people because contacts don't exist like I, I I don't know. Someone can maybe fill me in on how they're able to not think that's just the most ridiculous thing in the world and, and still have it work. I, I, I don't know. I, I can never get behind it. But what I love about that aspect of Captain Amazing is that Ben Stiller at one point literally 
directly says, he's just like, I think that Captain Amazing is Lance, whoever his last name is. He's a billionaire, just like Bruce Wayne, uh, Batman. And he comments, he's like, I think it's him. And his friends are just like, oh my God, here we go again. And he's like, no, he's like, I'm serious. Like, he's like, are you kidding me? He's like, look, he's like, the, like, look at him. It has to be him. Like, it's, it's, it's the guy. And then, and then I think it's the shoveler that he says, he's like, no, he's like, that's impossible. Cause when he takes off his glasses, like, you know, he, you know, it's not, I don't remember what he says. They have a very funny play of words on it. And then Ben Stiller when you just when you think that he's the only person with common sense in the room, he says an idiotic thing where he's like, "Well, yeah, because when he takes off the glasses, he transforms." <laughs> it's just so silly, but I I love that kind of fun wordplay and and just you know commentary on something that a lot of people are probably thinking, but nobody really is taking the time to actually voice it. And it's yeah, I just love it. That's super super funny and. Uh, it's probably a word for that. Is it meta? Is that the thing where like it's it's being very like in on what it's trying to do? I, I don't I don't know. Who knows? Um, <clears throat> but the other thing I like about Captain Amazing is that his character is a, I mean he's definitely kind of a jerk. He's a pretty boy kind of pompous jerk. Like he's let fame get to his head, and so now all he he's like a NASCAR driver now. He all he cares about is his like sponsors and everything like that. He doesn't even care about really saving people. It's just all image. And, and he's also dumb, <laughs> which, which I kind of like is like he, he, Greg Kinnear does such a good job of, of flirting that line between, you know, I'm an amazing, amazing guy. I'm here to protect the people. Look at me. I'm a good example for our youth. And then he will say like stupid things <laughs> he'll, like he'll, he'll get word phrases wrong or he'll, he'll try to pronounce something and just completely botch it and mess it up. And yeah, it's, it's just, he, he's fantastic. And, uh, his character where his character ends is <laughs> one of the funniest parts of the movie. I don't want to spoil it. So definitely watch it. <clears throat> and then how could I not talk about, continue to talk about the great characters without talking about the fantastic Jeffrey Rush as Casanova Frankenstein. <clears throat> um, Casanova Frankenstein, which the writer of this movie, I'm going to have to look him up. That is a wonderful name for a villain. It's, it's so great. Casanova has such a mystique and, and, and gravitas to the name. I mean, it's it's a wonderful name. And then of course, Frankenstein is spooky and scary. So it's a great first and last name, but Jeffrey Rush out of all the actors in here, and I'm not saying all the other ones don't have a claim in their own right and have done, you know, wonderful things, but he is the the most serious actor, if you will, in the movie. He is an Academy Award winner. Uh, I mean, I've seen him in a handful of fantastic films. Probably my favorite of his is one that he, I think it was probably the one he was most recently nominated for, which was uh, The King's Speech. Um, he, he's, he's absolutely tremendous, and I yeah adore him as an actor. But... He's so great with Casanova Frankenstein because he's like the epitome of like the, <clears throat> I don't even want to say like the mustache twirling villain, but he's so deliciously over the top. Um, everything he says, like he, he has a wonderful way of words and he's, he's, he, he seems like he should be like holding a glass of wine the whole time and cause he's so cultured and sophisticated. He's like the Hannibal Lecter of cartoony villains. And anyways, he's, he's fantastic. Uh, <laughs> And one of the scenes that you have to you have to bring up with him where you're like, you know, 
that that shows you the sign of an actor that's doesn't you know knows when it's okay to not take himself too seriously and and can and can I, I don't know just be really down the earth because there's a scene where the spleen corners him in a car and he, he get like the spleen puts his butt up against the window and just lets out a huge fart it's right up on 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 Jeffrey Rush's character and his face is priceless I die every time I see it and I realize you know it's, again very juvenile humor but you know what damn it it's funny it's it's just funny on a really basic level but oh my god uh, yeah that scene kills me but Jeffrey Rush, he he's he's wonderful, and you can tell he's having so much fun along with the whole cast. I I, I can only imagine how much fun everybody had making a movie like this. But <clears throat> anyways, I digress. Um, and then a very very small character, and then I'll get to the last last character, and then I'll continue because again, there's there's just so many characters to talk about. Um, there's Tom Waits as say it with me, Heller. If you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. Um, Tom Waits, which I got to look him up here quick, too, because I think he's in a band. Or he's a singer and a songwriter, I think. Um, he's very famous for something. Some, Let me see. I, I, I guess we're on the Tom Waits detour right now. Uh, I'm looking at his Wikipedia page. <clears throat> so he's a singer, songwriter, musician, composer, and actor. And, but he's known for, is it the band? Like the 1970s, the band? Yeah, I, I don't know. You know, the, the one that the band has that song in Easy Rider, the take a little walk, somebody's, somebody will know what the heck I'm talking about. Uh, but anyways, yeah, he is, he's awesome. And he has this like really, really cool really cool personality. He's, he just strikes me as one of those guys you would love to meet and just like have a beer with or something. Cause I don't know, seems like that guy has seen and done a lot of things in his life, but <clears throat> he is great as, as Heller, who is a, a weapons designer that, that contacts the mystery men and designs non-lethal, but extremely creative weapons, uh, for, for the whole, the whole, uh, squad. And anyways, uh, he's, a, he's a cool character. And, <clears throat> gosh, I gotta should have drank like a gallon of water before this. I don't know what's going on. Maybe it's because it's the morning. You ever? I, I I can't be the only person that that also has that. You have like morning grogginess, like your voice is like, Ugh. and it, I don't know. Hang on. <clears throat> ah, that's nice, refreshing. So then the last. And let's be real, he's the most important character of this movie. It's Dane Cook as the Waffler. <laughs> Waffle Man! Bad guys of history! Extra crispy! <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, Dane Cook is in this movie. And he's in it for only a scene. It's like 30 seconds, a minute, tops. But it's it's a scene with uh, all the superheroes. There's a whole bunch of them that are trying out because they want to be on the Mystery Men team. And Dane Cook shows up as the Waffler. And like, at one point, he, I think he's supposed to have it plugged in because he's holding like a portable waffle maker. And he has it plugged into an extension cord. And he's like, I, he's like, I take the bad guy's face and I bash it in uh, into this waffle, uh, into the waffle maker. And he holds it up against his face and it's supposed to burn. He's like, ah! Oh my gosh, the waffler. That's you know what? If I can if I can be happy that this podcast is going to accomplish anything, it's that I'm giving 
actual credit to Dane Cook and his performance of the Waffler. Someone needs to ask Dane Cook about that. You know, they need to. They need to ask him. What went into that? Was he method with it? Did he study waffles? <laughs> uh, I want to know. Uh, okay. So then I think I already talked about a lot of the clever writing and whatnot just through the characters. That's I think that's pretty apparent. But there's a few scenes that I need to talk about. Specific scenes that are my absolute favorites in this movie. Uh, first one that comes to mind is Ben Stiller. When you see him outside of Mr. Furious mode, because that's the other fun part about this movie, is that the superheroes, they're people. They're they're just average people, and they, you could even argue to say that they actually have powers. They're just people that want to be superheroes, but they all have jobs and responsibilities. And Ben Stiller's character, uh, Mr. Furious, or Roy, I think is his actual name, he works at a junkyard, and the he works under this lady that reminds me very much of the character i won't look up the actual name but it's in monsters inc which i think a lot of people have seen that um the one that's like mike lazowski you failed to file your paperwork <laughs> uh you'll know what i'm talking about if you've seen that movie but works for this nasty nasty older woman that's like junket junket <laughs> and and he's He's trying to like, keep his patience with her, and she just keeps saying junk it to him. And then the camera gets right up in his face. It's like the lens must have been like right up in him. And he he's like his blood vessels are going red, and he's like trying he's trying so hard not to lose his shit. And and he has a stress ball, like this little red stress ball. He's just like squeak, 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 squeak. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, oh. he's like, you have no idea. This, this little sucker just saved your life. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, is, is anybody else like that where, like, you can just make yourself laugh when you think about stuff like that? Oh, my God. It's, uh, yeah, that scene, it kills me. Uh, I think I commented on early in the episode when the Blue Raja is at home. And he, he's rehearsing. He's doing these red eyes, red eyes, red eyes. And he's holding up his silverware, and and his character's British, so he's or British or British and French. I <laughs> I don't know. It's a strange accent. Uh, but then his his he lives at home. You find out he's like this thirty something year old man that lives at home, and and his mom. Uh, they do like the whole kind of cliche thing of like the mom that wears like the nightgown all the time. She's kind of old and doesn't really do anything. Just putzes around the house, and. She hears him rehearsing and has no idea that he goes out at night to be a superhero. And and she's like, Jeffrey, what are you doing? And like he breaks character. He's like, Mom, mom, like, what are you doing? Like, get out of my room. Like, stop. <laughs> and uh just really, really fun. Um, I talked about the tryout scene because that's where Dane Cook's there, so I think that pretty much covers that scene and, and why it's so good. He's he stands out. But maybe I should talk about the ball the ballerina man. That, that scene I remember as a kid in particular always stood out to me because they're seeing like, you know, reject, 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 nope, we don't want you, next, next. And then this 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 man, this mysterious man in, in dressed in black, and he has like a gown on. He kind of looks like Zorro. Um, <clears throat> kind of looks like Zorro, and like they kind of inch up uh, Ben Stiller and, and William H. Macy and uh, 
that guy from the burger movie I mentioned, they all sit up because they're intrigued. They're like, ooh, like this guy might be serious. <laughs> and then he says, I am Ballerina Man. <laughs> and he flings back his, his black cape and he's wearing like tights and this big pink ballerina thing and starts doing like these uh, these kicks and they play classical music and they're all like deeply disturbed. They're like, what the heck are we watching? Uh, oh gosh, that's so great. Um, and then every scene with Jeffrey Rush, I, I talked about how much I love his character, but the guy steals every scene that he's in. He's amazing. And then the very last scene I will talk about, and then I'll start to, to wind this down is the training because the Sphinx character, he's supposed to be this legendary crime fighter. And he, he eventually comes across the mystery men and takes them somewhere, I guess, outside of the city champion city. Uh, to a place to train and he's supposed to be teaching every character sort of like a unique thing to them so that spiritually within their themselves they're supposed to find some some truth or I, I don't know they're supposed to discover something within them that they've been uh, hiding because he he says like you, if you're not truthful to yourselves you'll never be the best hero you can be which I'll say that. Here, I'll throw in one semi-serious thing there. The Sphinx is actually not too wrong about that. Because <clears throat> um, I do think that if you are not truthful to yourself in the long run, you will be lying to yourself and you will not be the best you that you can be unless you are totally, totally and 100%. <clears throat> hang on, I gotta, I gotta drink, uh, drink some more water. <clears throat> if you're not totally honest with yourself you will eventually uh, live a life that you are not happy with. It's that simple. But hey, let's go back to the funny. <clears throat> so in the training scene, what stands out is Ben Stiller, who hasn't really bought into the Sphinx at all. He just thinks he's like this phony baloney guy that's just trying to train them because he's got nothing better to do. And <clears throat> there's a scene where his character is supposed to balance a tack hammer on his head. He's just supposed to balance a hammer. And like, you can see, he just keeps trying to put the hammer on keeps falling off. And, <clears throat> you know, rightfully so he questions Sphinx. He's like, well, what, what, what am I doing? Like, why am I doing this? And the Sphinx says something all wise. He's just like, in order, if you balance a thing on your head, he's like, your balance as an attacker will become better <laughs> or something. And yeah, the Mr. Furies, he's like, oh, like whatever. But then he's just like, well, he says, well, and why am I wearing watermelon on my feet? And the camera brilliantly slowly does, uh, it, it, it starts on his uh, midsection and it, it goes all the way down to his feet and shows that he has two big watermelon that his feet are in. And then it slowly pans back up <laughs> to their face and there's a great pause. And then Sphinx, confusingly so, says, I don't believe I told you to do that. <laughs> and you're just like, what? Uh, oh gosh. It's, it's just stuff like that. That makes this movie so damn funny and, and just silly. Just, you know, don't take a movie like this too seriously. That's, that's one of the things I would say about this. So <clears throat> all of that said, ultimately, <clears throat> gosh, all that said, ultimately I'm going to circle back to the question I believe I posed towards the beginning of the podcast, which is, does this movie hold up? Um, it's one I could, you know, it's subject to interpretation like any question like this, because 
you know, I may think this movie is very charming and funny and kind of silly and, you know, it's very colorful and flashy and, you know, it's, it's not, I'm not saying it's a perfect movie. I mean, there's definitely some campy elements to it, some clunky storytelling. If I want to really critique it like a film, I can, I could probably find a bunch to nitpick on, but I don't know. As I said, this is a movie that I think you should go into it knowing what you want. And if you're wanting a movie that is just pure escapism, you don't really need to think about it too much. You can just turn your brain off. You'll be easily entertained by the visuals, by the wonderful cast, the clever writing and commentary on superhero films. Uh, I think you'll really enjoy this movie. And I would also say that if you're just looking for something outside of all the the superhero movies that get churned out now from Marvel and DC, and, and I'm not knocking them. I'm not knocking those movies. I want to I wanna be clear about that because I like a lot of them. But movies like this, <clears throat> movies like this, I just really don't think get made. Uh, not now. Uh, because there is tones of this movie that are certainly more of a product of the time. They, they were more relevant then. I, I don't think every aspect of this movie holds up in the long run. But you got to give it to the movie's original premise, uh, the, the great cast, and, and again, just the very clever writing and, and takes that it has on so many tropes that you see in superhero movies. I just think that anybody that likes movies even a little bit could probably find at least one or two aspects of this movie that they would at least have a mild smile on their face on and not completely regret watching it. So, you know, think about that for what it is. I don't really know, but I'm going to endorse a lot of movies on this. So, and, and, and Miss, no. So, so, gosh, I don't know. My, maybe I need another cup of coffee. Is that, that it? it is early in the morning, so I don't know. Anywho, that's all I got to say on Mystery Men. If you haven't seen it, definitely check it out. I think it's a really fun movie, and I really actually, I'm just thinking out loud. I, I enjoyed I enjoyed this episode in particular just because it, it is nice to talk about movies that aren't, you know, so serious where I need to really dive into what does it all mean, you know. I mean, I, there's, you know, I, I think that makes sense. You get what I'm saying out there, do you? I don't know. Are you still listening at this point? <laughs> Uh, okay. That is all I have to say on mystery men. That's going to wrap it up for this episode. So, uh, really appreciate everybody, uh, that's giving this a listen. Remember while you're here, go ahead and hit the follow button, uh, there on Spotify. That's going to help me, uh, just continue to, to grow this podcast, grow the audience, etc. Uh, if you haven't already, you can go ahead and check out the podcast Instagram, uh, which is at ScreenSpeak Podcast. I will be posting photos of any guests that I have on there. Um, I, I may give you a little sneak peek to what I'm going to talk about in upcoming episodes, like I did with Mystery Men, uh, and and just more stuff. I'll, I'll I'll get better with Instagram as time goes on. I I admit I am not the most social media savvy person out there, and I I don't always like to share a ton of things on there, but I'm trying to get better about it, at least for the sake of growing the podcast. So uh, go ahead and follow that. And then the last thing I'll say is to check out the podcast YouTube channel, which is just ScreenSpeak. 
Um, if you just want to, you know, maybe share with your friends or family or whoever some short clips of the episodes, uh, you can go on there because I upload sound bites on there from from each episode. I I need to go back and actually put a couple of, uh, other ones out there, but couple short clips they're like five minutes long uh go out go out there give it a look subscribe to the channel again just share it follow it do do whatever spread the word that this is a thing and and that's it so i hope everybody that's listening you have a good rest of your weekend uh go into the week on a on a positive note and and just have a good 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 time and yeah that's it just be good be happy and like i said at the beginning you know it's got nothing to do with mystery men but Ask people how they're doing, okay? Maybe I should do that. Start end- ending ending the, the podcast on a positive note. Could that be good? I don't know. This is it's turned into a brainstorm out loud session. I don't know. It's derailing. <laughs> it's derailing. Okay. I'm going to stop before I go into even more ramblings that don't make any sense. Yeah, that's good. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Be awesome. Be good. I'll see you later. Take care.